People, Deluded, I'm back again. Welcome back to another edition of the Deluded Podcast. It's fantastic that you guys are back tuning in. I'm happy to be speaking to you guys and it's always a pleasure, like I said, to do this and obviously be here with your support and whatnot. Now, we're drawing to the conclusion of the Premier League season. The good thing is next season is round the corner. Obviously, there's Champions League to still be played, cup finals, various cup finals to still be played. But in regards to the Premier League, you know, we're getting to the final conclusion. I think Arsenal technically only have two games left. You know, we've got Villa and Watford on the last day. Obviously, we'll get into it a bit later, but on Saturday, we're playing in the FA Cup. So we've got three games left. So there isn't too much football to be played. And, you know, if your team's trying to stay in the league... If your team's trying to cement a top half finish, if your team's trying to get into the top four, specifically United, Chelsea, Leicester, you just have to get over the line. It don't matter how you get three points, just make sure you get three points. You speak about form and all of these things at the end, but yeah, man, it's in, and it's quite entertaining and it's been a, a mad season. Obviously, there's been the COVID and the restart and all of these things, but it's generally been a poor season, like... Generally, like what teams have been good? You can only say Liverpool because they've blasted away with the league. I would say, for me anyways, at a push, I'd say Wolves. I'd say credit to Wolves and Sheffield. I think they've done their thing and I think they've, as well, maybe not so much Wolves because of what they're doing in terms of the recruitment, but definitely in relation to Sheffield United performing above expectations um, and, and things like that. Um, who else is there? Like I said, Liverpool, Wolves, Sheffield. You know, if Leicester mess, I don't want to talk too tough because if Leicester mess up the top four claims and, and, and getting into Europe, I'll have to change what I'm saying. And I know they've had a blip, but you'd probably say Leicester. Other than that, every other team's probably been well for it. At the end of the day, if your team's secured Champions League, top half finish, you know, Europa League for some, which we wish we had as Arsenal fans, or stayed in the league, you're not going to care. And, you know, I think the points tally reflects that really and truly. Like, Liverpool's the only one that's probably maximising their points. And even at a push, if you say to them, they should have got 100 points. They were in the position. I know their players are coming out and saying that's not the goal. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many points it says on the Premier League trophy. But I just feel, considering it's their first title in 30 years, you know, that's the history. History's only going to remember the players that, you know, after 30 years of long waiting, Henderson lifted it. They're not going to remember that, oh, they lost to Watford here, you know, this and that. Um... But I do think there was a chance to get 100 points from, from Liverpool and I think they messed it up since the restart. I think they've been in holiday mode. I think there's a lot of complacency in their game. I do think they need to change things up, man, because that team's been together like four years, you know. They got far in the Europa League one year, then they got the Champions League final in no order, then they got the Champions League final, then they obviously... Um, didn't win against Madrid, then the next year they won it and now they've won the Prem. Football's in cycles. That's The squad's been together three, four years. I think Klopp is a fantastic manager with a fantastic starting eleven. You know, the system works. The system gets the best out of the front three. The fullbacks, you know, the chief, probably chief creators in the team, probably statistically, they're doing their thing. But I do think they have to reinvent. Klopp surely can reinvent because... They might not be perfect, but Liverpool are a better side defensively than they were last season or the season before. Because the season before, you know, they missed out. They they, they bottled it against City, really. But a big part of that was their conceding cheap goals. They're still doing it, but there's more pride in clean sheets. And I just feel Liverpool, they need to freshen things up. Because when people think... You typically see next season, they might still be in the title race, but they might struggle because people have kind of figured out what they're doing now. And, and, and stuff like that. And I do think there is an air of complacency. I think when you look at... I think I'm not from Klopp. He clearly wants signings. The fans recognise that. But those at the top... And I don't know if you, if Liverpool really have money because, you know, what they've been doing, been doing right now, arguably you could say it might not have been a thing if they didn't sell Coutinho and reinvest in funds. 
Um, you know, they fit, for whatever reason, they failed to, to get Timo Werner, which is a cheap signing in today's market over the line. So I think they need to reinvent. Don't get it twisted. They've got Mane, they've got Salah specifically. Pardon me, bagging goals. But I just feel what happens when they're not at it. They're not old and people like to bag on about this old thing, but they're not going to be here forever. And I just feel Mo Salah and, Sal and Salah, they're obviously not complacent but you know if they have a bad game or a bad run of form they're never they're really not going to lose their space in the side and i think that front three needs it, it needs to be odd numbers there needs to be someone that can give them another dynamic you know to use instead of Firmino or put Firmino behind them or use Firmino in the place but someone that's a genuine option or genuine options to take one of these front three's positions midfield clearly they need an attacker or someone that can break their lines Clearly at fullback, they're stretching. Whatever happens to Robertson, you're relying on Milner. Again, Milner's not going to be here forever at left and right back. I know Joe Gomez can force it at right back. And to be fair, they've got Williams, who looks decent. So maybe right back's no, not so much of a thing. I think they need a centre-half. Whether it's someone to challenge Gomez to, to be partner with Van Dijk or just someone that's a reliable cover. And, and yeah, and if I haven't said it, midfield as well. So there is a couple of things Liverpool can do. But at the end of the day... Klopp knows that. Klopp probably started to think of a rebuild the second mathematically Liverpool were confirmed as champions sort of thing. Um, but let's speak about the Premier League sort of things that's happening. We can't forget, you know, Arsenal, we beat the league champions. They say you're only as good as your last game. We're Premier League champion material, you see it? Obviously, on a serious thing, rather fortunate how we defeated Liverpool, you know, two poor sloppy goals from them, but that's not our thing. But let's crack on with Man United first and foremost. Now, they beat Palace 2-0. VAR again, VAR's denying goals. I don't know why that goal was denied, but fair play. Denying penalties. And, you know, Ferguson at the right time has started to pay these officials off rightly. And it's no coincidence. On a serious note, though, um, VAR needs to be changed. VAR is a bit of a joke. I'm not like, some of the things are not making sense. Like Trent Alexander-Arnold, how is he not sent off for Saka? When we've seen Aubameyang and, and, and Eddie Nketiah and sent off for worse. Romeo, last week, I can't remember if I said it on my podcast or in Man United's previous game. How did he get away with that on Mason Greenwood? There's too many naughty things. And obviously, we've been here with VAR, with the decisions and goals incorrectly being denied. And, you know, one game it's not it's denied on this ground, but in another game, it, it the same exact scenario stands. Really having a tough time dealing with it because it's not black and white enough. There's way too many grey areas. Um, for things people it, it, it's quite ridiculous but Man United are not going to care man in all competitions they're unbeaten in 19 games they're unbeaten in 12 Premier League games crucially they got three points in a, which is a tough game Palace away it was tough for United it was tough for Chelsea Arsenal struggle at Palace I don't even think we won there it's a tough ground but at the end of the day three points and United, like Oli said, they have to earn the right to, to be in the top four and earn the right to challenge. And so far, they're doing that. You know, there was a blip against Southampton, let themselves down collectively for defending for the for, for in that game. But generally, they've done all right. And, you know, they're doing all they can to try and be in the top four race. Players are hitting form at the right time. Um, obviously, you know, Martial and, and Rashford is a fantastic partnership. And you're kind of hoping as a neutral football fan that they continue that next season with Greenwood and Sanjo if he's brought in. But, um, you know, Mason, not Mason, sorry, Marcus Rashford and Martial have now assisted one another a combined seven times. So without just looking at the statistics and the assists and stuff, that shows that there's better communication between the two. There's better link up play and they're starting to clock each other's play and they're happy seeing each other score and assist. And, you know, the more they can do that, it's the better. And I know Man United fans know better than me. I did think football is a bit tribal, you know, at times you would see 
most fans and man, specific to Man United can understand that football's a tribal game. I can like two players, but it did seem like you was either in Camp Martial or Camp Rashford and you would either bash one. And I think football fans in general need to realise that this is it because Arsenal had that with Aubameyang and Lacazette. You know, maybe not so much now, but people saying Lacazette, you know, the hold-up play, he's a he's a better... People even used to say Lacazette's a better finisher than Aubameyang because he takes less shots and things, which is ridiculous because how can he be a better finisher if Aubameyang has more goals? I get the logic. Someone that shoots less and has... You know, goals to shots ratio looks a bit better. They statistically are more clinical. But if you've taken if you've taken sixteen shots and scored fifteen goals, that's fantastic. But if a man's taking thirty shots, I mean, if a man's taking twenty five shots and scored twenty goals, I think that's more clinical. Like again, he's I guess wasteful, but he's more clinical. And I think fans need to understand there's going to be games Rashford might not even play, Martial might not even play. Both of them are needed and stuff. You need football is a long calendar game like you need different options and stuff and I think they've both done fantastic since the restart and generally all season I think they're both on 17 goals in the league which when was the last time two players were in that for Manchester United and things like that and especially two forwards um, you know obviously there was question marks raised about selling Lukaku and allowing Alexis to go on loan and to be fair they were valid because you know United did struggle they were waiting on Greenwood to get up to speed Rashid and Martial needed to pattern their confidence but now it might be too little too late sort of thing to do anything serious this season but at the end of the day they've been backed up because Greenwood has now had his six months or so in the Prem he looks like he's up for it now Martial and Rashford they've got their confidence forget all the smiling thing with Martial for me he looked like he'd beat himself up if he missed too many chances and stuff now he understands I miss a shot cool let me take a next thing do you get it and that's what people fail to understand confidence is way more important than technical ability like there's many players in the Prem or players I've seen that are great technically but they're mentally they're not there that's why they're not good players and vice versa players that shouldn't even be in League 1 let alone the Premier League but they've got the mentality football is for every football is about confidence man it's it's, it's way more psychological than a lot of people realise it's a mental game it's way more psychological the best footballers are the footballers that see the picture before it's happened the best footballers are those that can control their emotions they emotional intelligence and the mental side of the game is way more important than the technical abilities and this is me always talking to the same man that's always praising technical stuff Martial has also scored more goals in all competitions than any other Premier League player in 2020 which stands at 12 you know Marcus Rashford had 17 goals in 29 league games this season as many as he managed in the two previous seasons combined 68 appearances now you know Rashford's goals no disrespect but I have to discount a couple because he's always taking pens and stuff I think Martial's got a stronger body of work at the end of the day it says the same score sheet you don't get more points for not scoring pens and at the end of the day scoring pens is an art in itself but I just think the caliber of Martial's goals and the way he's taking them and things I think they're twice they're those of Rashford's take nothing away from Marcus because I'm a big Marcus fan seven goals were originally awarded against Manchester United this season but they've been overturned by VAR. This is the joint most of any side in the league campaign this season. Brighton and Southampton are also tied. So, you know, Sir Alex Ferguson and them two seaside clubs are paying the right people sort of thing. Can't fault them. I have to respect it, really. Um, so, like I said, three points. Man United, you know, them, Leicester and Chelsea, nobody can really afford to drop points or, or bottle now. You know, there's two games left. You know, United, like us, are playing in the FA Cup against Chelsea, which, you know, you want to get to the final. It could be a good season for United, potentially winning an FA Cup. You know, the, you could potentially do a domestic double in a sense. Well, not domestic double. Bring two trophies in the Europa League and the FA Cup and obviously get top four. That would be a good season. That would probably be a better season than many Man United fans expected. Obviously, all that matters is the start of the season and the end. Everything in between is just noise. 
you can when you're evaluating the season you talk about the macro but all that matters is where you start and where you end fundamentally that's where people get relegated nobody cares if you were fighting relegation you were 10th full season then it come to january you started messing up now you're relegated nobody cares start and finish that's all people see and like Oli Golasolsha said you know Man United have earned the right to challenge for the top four with a fantastic post spell post lockdown spell um, he said nobody in January thought that we'd be in for a shout of top four we have done fantastic since the restart these are the games that matter now that is the thing at Manchester United you have to step up and show your personality and I've got nothing more to add on that note because he said it nobody gave them a chance myself included I'm pretty sure United fans you know but it's all about belief Belief and consistency. You do your thing, you don't know what can happen. And, you know, United, if they loot, jump out of top four, like any of the teams fighting, which someone will, um, out of third and fourth, three into two don't go, um, sort of thing, or two into three, whatever it is, I was poor at maths. But, you know, they're doing what they can. And like us, if I was if I was Palace, I'd feel aggrieved because they should have had a penalty with Zaha. VAR's denying penalties. VAR's denying goals. Um, obviously, spare a thought for Patrick Van Aalholt, who appeared to dislocate his shoulder. Speedy recovery. Um, that's it in relation to United. And on a sad note, yeah, I'm not quite down the list of speaking about Newcastle and Arsenal. I mean, Newcastle's game with Spurs. But I have to say, first and foremost, allegiances aside... Big up to Serge Aurier. First and foremost, condolences. I know you've all saw earlier in the week, sadly, his brother passed away in sad circumstances. That's a man's brother. This man is human. I've got nothing but admiration for Aurier. Um, not because he's necessarily played the Premier League game, because I'd have admiration for him anyways. But, you know, he showed his mentality. Not that he owes anyone anything. Not that anyone can say anything's wrong with missing this game. But he's on that field. Now, Obviously, football provides a great escape for 90 minutes. He probably is thinking of it. He probably wanted to play because that's what he believes his brother would have told him to do. And it's a way of paying respects to his brother. At the end of the day, you know, it's the Aurier name on the back of the shirt and them thing there. But for 90 minutes, you're not... For want of better phrasing, he's not thinking about his brother. Within reason, all that matters is Spurs scoring more goals than Newcastle for 90 minutes. So football can provide an escape. So I'd say no one can... I know a lot of people poke fun at Aurier, question his concentration and stuff from a footballing matter, myself included, and they are valid. But nobody can question that man's mentality. To, to know that he's lost his brother in the circumstances he did and he's still playing, fantastic from Aurier. Fantastic mentality. And I'd like to say, you know, I'm, I, I hope his family can find peace. You know, I hope everything can go all right for them more so than it than it already is. You know, it's a crap situation, to put it nicely. And you saw Aurier was the last man off the field. He's probably in reflective mood. So, you know, sending love, strength, and most importantly, condolences to the Aurier family. You know, things go fo higher than football. Um, so, yeah, man, big up Aurier. And it's sad. It's sad that I'm having to sit here and speak about that. Moving away from that, though, and like I said, quickly going back to Manchester United, Roy Hodgson has lost six consecutive Premier League games for the first time since losing his last three with Blackburn in 1999 and his first three in 2008 with Fulham. United have gone unbeaten in 19 games in all comps. This is their large, their longest streak since um, 2010, which was 29 under Sackness Ferguson. Um, so, yeah, man. Um, saw um, Fosu Mensah pop up out the blue. He made his first appearance in three years for Manchester United. You know whether he has a future there or not remains to be seen. But that was quite. I was. It was quite funny to see him pop out the cut. Um, moving away from Manchester United, and obviously on Saturday Arsenal and Man City will play each other in the FA Cup. City by their own standards showing us their normal. They only defeated Bournemouth two goals to one. Fantastic goal from David Silva. Another game, another free kick. Gab Jesus obviously scored the second. Harvey Brooks, a former Man City youth player, kind of, you know, 
got his own little revenge in that you released me. I've scored at your ground in the Premier League while my team haven't won. F you lot sort of thing. Um, it means nothing. Bournemouth still fighting relegation. Personally, I think Bournemouth are gone. Um, you know, I, I've been saying I think Norwich, Bournemouth and I think Villa are gone. You know, really, I, the, I, I think one team can obviously escape. It's not going to be Norwich. But I just think Villa are gone and Grealish is going to leave. Um, obviously, for David Silva, obviously for City... You've got Ke you've got Kevin on 17, 18 assists. You've got whole heap of players on double figures for all comps. You've got goal scorers all over the field and they're playing very well. Just the other day, Sterling got a hat-trick, you know. You all saw Raheem Sterling Raza get a hat-trick in his last game week um, sort of thing. But in relation to David Silva, this could very well be his last campaign. Um, he is the third oldest player in Premier League history to reach 10 assists in a single campaign at 34 years of age and 189 days. Um only Dennis Bergkamp and Paolo Di Canio top him for such. Moving away from that, though, and obviously he's he's um, reached 10 assists 16 times in, in his last 16 Premier League campaigns. What? Sorry, people. A Spaniard has reached 10 assists 16 times in the last 16 Premier League campaigns with RIP Reyes, the first to do so in 04-05, and David Silva, the latest to do so last season. Um, so that's some fantastic bit of stuff now moving away from that and you saw obviously brighton and southampton drew 1-1 danny ings just cannot score in he's up for 20 goals in the campaign and becomes the 20 different englishmen to score 20 league goals in a single premier league season and he is unfortunate that obviously there's no euros because it would be interesting to speak about what striker gets called up because form is a different thing but next season form is a different thing but Southgate would have a difficult decision to make, you know. Marcus Rashford goes, Harry Kane goes, you know. You've got, you, obviously, you've got Sterling, he can be used there. But let's just speak about out-and-out out nines, like nines. Like, obviously, Rashford plays on the flanks, but for England, he, he can play up front. And if it's not Kane, it's, Rashford probably do a thing. So I'd say go in there as strikers. I know Rashford can occupy the wings, but that's Sancho and Sterling for me in the England setup. You know, Kane goes, Rashford goes. For me, Mason Greenwood goes. Then you've got Danny Ings in hot form. How can you deny him? I know England. I know for I know international football is different, but how could you deny him? Now Jamie Vardy retired from international football, made his bed and lied in it. Maybe he's done that so he can keep going at club level. But you know the question would be, can he come out of retirement? I, if I was Southgate, I wouldn't take Vardy purely because, you know, you've got you've retired. I can't. I, that that's a mockery. You can't retire. That kind of say you're not committed to international football and because it's the inting you're playing. Um, to a lesser extent, obviously, you'd have Calvert-Lewin, you know, at centre-half. Could Mason Holgate um, take Stones' place in that side? You know, in goal, is Pickford going? Because Pickford, you know, is looking like a serious fraud right now in goal. He's making mistakes week in, week out. What is going wrong with Pickford? And you're looking at Pope, you're looking at Dean Henderson. You know, it's, it's actually a crime if Pickford... I hear we're playing a friendly September. If Pickford is the number one, it's a mockery. And we're not going to get far with Jordan Pickford. You know, he had his good in international tournament last year. But he's revealed he's a fraud. He, he hasn't kicked on. He hasn't improved. He doesn't show that he's learning from his mistakes um, week in, week out with all the heart and mouth moments. So we'll see what happens in that regards. But, you know, Southampton won. Brighton won. And... You know, I did think Southampton, considering how they played against United, would have got some more out of that game. Well, it is what it is. 
Sheffield United have been good this season, but they had to remain humble and lose 2-0. Now, Leicester, three points, clean sheet, you know, bounce back effect after bounce back effect after what was shocking against Bournemouth, really and truly. Um, obviously, Luke Thomas, he's the youngest English player to assist a goal on his Premier League debut since Marcus Rashford. And he had a good cameo, man. He, it shows what you can do if you work hard and you get opportunities. And he's took it now. He's probably given Rodgers a bit of confidence to maybe even start him again. But more crucially, Leicester got the three points. You know where it is. Um, you know, Damari Gray coming on being a super sub again, like against Arsenal, having something to say. You know, only only Man City have had more goals scored by subs in the Premier League this season than Leicester. Um, Man City have eight, Leicester have seven, with Damari Gray strike obviously coming 177 seconds after he entered the field of play. Um, like I said, crucially, all that matters is three points. And like um, Brendan Rodgers said, this result gives us the second highest Premier League finish in Leicester's history. We have two games to create some history. We all sat down at the start of the season and said it would be a huge challenge for it for Leicester to get into Europe. So to do that in my first season here, to guarantee that is a phenomenal achievement. And they will be playing some football in Europe of some capacity. But do they want Europa League or do they want the big boy champs? And if they miss out on the champs, they only have themselves to blame. Moving away from that though, people, Everton and Villa drew, you know, Theo Walcott off the subs bench having something to say in that game. Where have we seen that before, folks? Um, For Villa, obviously, it's two points dropped and they need every point they can get. But for Theo Walcott, he's been directly involved in 23 goals um, as a substitute, 14 assists and nine goals. And that makes him the fourth most in the competition behind big up Carnu, big boy in, with 29. Jermaine Defoe scores at 27. And at 24, does anyone know who it is? Take a random guess, folks. It's not the name you probably thought. Well, if you said Daniel Sturridge, it is. Daniel Sturridge is 24. Moving away, Chelsea. I don't know. I do know how they beat Norwich because they're a better side than Norwich and Norwich are woeful. But Chelsea, like I said, all that matters is getting over the line. But the way Chelsea are playing right now, it is very sluggish. It is lacking ideas. It does appear there's cracks. It does appear tired. players are tired like... Players, there's question marks like Rüdiger's looking booky generally this season. Now, in the Norwich game, I know Giroud scored, and I think Pulisic set him up if I remember correctly. Two guys who have been in red hot form since the restart, but I'm seeing Giroud hit miss headers. I was thinking, what's going on? Are, are, are Chelsea going to be able to do this thing in this game? But at the end of the day, like like I said about Leicester and United, it's three points. Big up to Giroud because he cannot stop scoring. Pulisic has been stepping up, you know. It appears in some aspects Chelsea have hit a brick wall, but, you know, it's almost the end of the season. Just get over the line. As usual, Norwich, you know, they were a bit better in this game, but toothless, lacking intent and, you know, multiple reasons in this game which have plagued them all season as to why they're in this position, you know. Um, Lampard doesn't seem happy with his side regardless, and he said he wants more from his team, um, more or less. He said, we are as a team... as a, Sorry, we... We are at, at as a team and where we are in the table, it's all about the result. We need to move the ball quicker and be more mobile with our rotations. And like I said, it's still lacking intention. And that's something for him on the coaching ground. We have done it in parts this season, but we need to move on. It needs to get better, but I don't want to be too critical after a win. We didn't give them anything to worry us. We had 10 or 15 minutes on the second half where we were slow, but I didn't like it. But after that, we got it back. And that's what I'm saying. Like Norwich, many like I just said about showing why they're getting relegated, toothless, not really at it at all. And I think it was more of a game where, you know, Chelsea should have really put the game to bed earlier than it was, should have had a more convincing scoreline. And yeah, man, it is worrying because at the end of the day, 
It's about getting top four now. There's only a couple of games left in the Prem. Like Lampard said, it's about the result. But, you know, start as you mean to go on sort of thing. Moving away from that, though, and as an Arsenal fan, I'm pretty sure you've all heard the spring in my step. Um, I thought we were going to get slaughtered against Liverpool. And so I'd say big up Klopp and all their man there for allowing us to win. They probably went out went out in London and weren't taking it too seriously. Big up to Van Dijk and Alisson as well, allowing us, you know, we were due a win against Liverpool. They've been battering us at their ground and, and whatnot for time now. You know, we haven't had much confidence. And yeah, there was a bit of luck with the goals we got. But at the same time, them goal, that luck came as a result of pressing. Do you get it? You know, second half. We can see the crap load amount of goals in the second half. Our performance levels drop off in the second half. And, you know, you saw the possession stats. You know, there was a goal thing in, in, in statistics in terms of the amount of possession we had to theirs, the amount of shots. But crucially, we saw out the game. And so that's something I've been very critical and sat here doing this podcast for the last couple of weeks. You know, Spurs and uh, Spurs and Leicester threw the game away late and both lost, lost them both in the second half. That wasn't the case against the league champions. So I give our players credit. They remain, they, they remain rigid they stayed in wasn't impressed with how we we conceded the goal is a poor kick out from martinez he in the first 20 minutes his kicking was actually quite atrocious he redeemed himself in the game with a number of saves but apart from that i think we played well we remained rigid and we and we, we got men behind the ball we frustrated them ultimately we're difficult to break down for liverpool it seems like their players are still on the beach though people only genuinely to a degree robertson but for me Mane looked the only one that i can't tell you where mo salah was saka and Tini locked him down Tini's going to be the best left back in the prem i'm getting ready to do them shouts um didn't see them they're still on party mode they've taken their foot off the gas and I know they're taking their foot off the gas with the calibre of mistakes they're making. You know, Van Dijk's one, I don't know what he's doing. Alisson, I don't know what he's doing. And they've gifted the game to us. I felt first 20 minutes, going into it was clearly damage limitation. We The rotations, because of fatigue, was probably a thing, but we're focusing on, on Saturday. I felt we were, we were played with a lot of fear, but then we started to wake up, you know, after they scored their first. Um, so it is well it is crucially it's three points in the grand scheme of things it doesn't do much for Arsenal it doesn't do anything for Arsenal beyond just a rare moment for fans to go to sleep good um, for Arteta it's a big win and it gives us small confidence going into City if the two could be correlated I'm not going to complain people you know we walk away with three points since 03-04 um, when full shot data was available Arsenal had the fewest number of shots attempted in a Premier League victory in fact, the difference was Liverpool's 24 shots to R23. Big up Reese Nelson because he got a start and I hope it does bits for his confidence. But he's the fifth different player aged 20 or under to score for Arsenal in the Premier League this season. Along with Martinelli, Joel Willock, Saka and Eddie Nketiah. Most of any team in the competition. Lacazette is the first player to score an assist against the side starting the day top of the league since Thierry Henry did so against United in January 20, 2007. Sorry. Um, Van Dijk made his first error lead into a goal since March 2019, which was against Fulham. And that was also our first shot on, on goal. We all know Mane loves scoring against Arsenal. Um, he's scored six goals against us. Um, he's only bagged more against Palace, which is nine. Liverpool have dropped more points, which is eight, in their five games since becoming champions than they did in their previous 40 matches, um, where they dropped only seven. So this tells you they've dropped off a bit subconsciously, whether they've meant to or not. L Liverpool have actually dropped 35 points from winning positions against Arsenal historically in the Premier League, which is more so than any other team. So yeah, we did our thing. We get our three points. We're laughing for today, really and truly. And, you know, 
Um, Roberts, Robertson and Tini are always going to be compared. I like both of them. And Robertson, in the aftermath of the game, kind of doesn't... Him and Rob, him and Tini... I didn't hear Tini say it, but they're quite angry about comparisons. And he said, Tini is a fantastic player. I watch him a lot and he's excellent at what he does. He's had a troubled time with injuries, but now he's back and he looks special. Me and him are probably sick to death of everyone comparing us. One good performance from each of us and it's one of us is better than the other. It's just two players playing at a good level. And I'd second that. I'd agree with that. I mean, Robertson would thrive at Arsenal and I do think Rob, um, Tierney would thrive at Liverpool. I'm always going to think Tierney's better than an Arsenal fan. But if people don't think that, I can concede that, you know. Robertson's been here longer. Tierney just needs to stay fit. But for me, what I like about Tierney is the mentality. He's one of them players like... Firstly, it's the consistency because he's one of them players I ain't seen this since Sagnoff. Like, in the sense that Tini, you know, he can go forward, he can put a ball in and stuff. But you, you can focus on other things. Like, Tini's there locking down left back. I'm not scared of, you know, other things that's going to happen. If he gets ripped, he gets ripped. I'm focused on our centre halves. He gives me confidence. And I know 10 or so games, he's going to give me a consistency level. You know, he's going to drop minimum sixes and sevens out of 10 plus. That's what I need from bare members. I like, obviously, the Celtic mentality he's brought. Train how you play to win. We're hearing this sort of stuff. The mentality from the moment he walked into the get to the to the club. Because remember, he was on the bench and stuff for a while with injuries and he was doing up Europa. He's there being a captain. I like him. Ironically, he's probably excluding Saliba, the best centre-half at this club, which is worrying that a left-back, which is, you know, probably, how, how tall is he? Probably 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, um is our best centre half. Not that height matters. It's concerning. Um, yeah, man. He's. I've seen Tierney play well. You know, he's yet to be really destroyed in the Prem, which will happen and the Wolves will be out. But he's passed the Mo Salah test. He's passed the Wolves Zaha test. He's done well against Adama Traore. He's locked it down. And I'm, I'm a big fan of Tierney. And we've done a lot of bad things with our money. Tierney's not one of them. 25 million for Tierney. That's a bargain. Probably the best piece of business between buying him, selling a Wobi for 30-odd and bringing Martinelli in, you know. Probably the best bits of business I've seen us do in recent years, you know. If you can sell, if you can get 40 million for Gwendozi, 30 for Maitland-Niles and stuff like that, I'll, I'll change my mind as well. But, yeah, a Wobi's still struggling a lot at his club, man, which is quite sad. Um, but hopefully he gets his form. In relation to Spurs, they won three, three goals to one against Newcastle. And, you know, Spurs can't do much this season but finish ahead of us. I'm sure that's what they want to do. Um, you know, Son continues his good form. Um, Kane got two goals and he's now on 200. 200. He got his 200th club career goal in his 330, 350th appearance in all comps um, across all the clubs he's played for. He scored 184 for Spurs, so he's rapidly closing in on 200 for Spurs outright. He only got two for Leicester. He only got five for, for Leighton Orient and he only got nine for Millwall. Now, imagine if Harry Kane was just judged on... It's crazy. Imagine Spurs judged him or didn't give him a chance based on these loan spells because they... They helped him, but they didn't clearly. They weren't clearly promising, and I think there's some loan spells skipped out here. Um, they could be. I could be wrong. I'm sure he went Gillingham. I could be wrong, but at the same time, uh, yeah, I could be wrong. But at the same time, imagine they judged him on five goals for Orient, two for Leicester, and nine for for Millwall. We'd be robbed of a of a of a well of a well of a quality top, a top striker in the Prem. You know, a Prem in his own right, not Spurs right, but a Prem legend. In fact, he is a Spurs legend. He's you know he's been a great player. You know, we've got a terrific striker for the England national team, and all of that might have been missed if chances weren't. A, a, thingy then how much money has Kane probably saved them you say Kane probably goes for 80 100 million I say 80 with Covid 100 plus in a normal transfer world how much is that you know how much would it cost Spurs to bring in a striker that's going to get the goals he is for Son 
Big up Son. He's been directly involved in 21 goals this season for Spurs. 11 goals and 10 assists. That's his best return in a single campaign. And I think he's one of the most rated, underrated players. In that everyone knows he's a baller, but I don't think they rate him too tough like that. Do you get what I'm saying? So shout out to him. Um, moving forward with the previews of, of the games to come, though, people. And now Premier League action, folks, to come better yet. I don't know why... You know the ones there, people, you're looking at something and your brain just pauses. That's literally what happened. But previewing the games, people, obviously it's not in the Premier League, but, you know, you've got the semi-finals of the FA Cup. You've got Man City against Arsenal. You've got Chelsea against Manchester United. Two big games, four big teams, four deserving winners. Obviously, out of all three of the teams, we've been a benefit from winning the FA Cup the most. Let's respect the FA Cup. You know, like like Arsenal, United have a very rich history with the FA Cup. Chelsea have won it before. Well, I don't think in my lifetime I've seen City actually win the FA Cup. They might have, but I don't think I've actually seen that. I could be wrong. You know, I'm not going to sit and say I'm the encyclopedia for football. Man City, FA Cup. I know they've won the League Cup. When last did they... FA Cup winners... I'm telling lies. Yeah, yeah. I knew I've seen City win it. I knew I've seen City win it. But it ain't been for a minute. This is not the best. Transfer mark. Don't fail me. Yeah, I knew I've seen them win the FA Cup. So, I've, yeah, I've seen them win it twice. Sorry. So disrespectful to City. They've got a history in it. Chelsea have. All of us have got history winning it. We've got history beating City at this stage. Last, last, last time we went on to win it. Obviously, it means the most out of Arsenal. You know, United, another, they're in financial issues by their own standard based on what you see. But they're not going to need to get Europe or need to be Europa because of the pennies. City are backed by a country. Chelsea are good. For Arsenal, you know, we're missing out on 30 million not being in the Europa League. So from a sporting perspective, you know, we need to be in it. We we need we need to be in it. Just from, fi sorry, financial perspective, we need to be in, be in it. You know, it will probably make, make us have the better season compared to ourselves. For City, is it, they've got the Champions League and Pep has been quite blase on the FA Cup anyways. But just on this topic of it always wanting to achieve excellence they're going to be at it like i said with united earlier potentially you know you get top four via the domestic campaign you win the europa league and you win the fa cup you know few people would have expected that from Oli gola social and what could people say from january till now there's been a dramatic turnaround it'd be a fantastic season for arsenal listen City's an open book. We know they've got fantastic movement. We know literally every player, even the goalkeeper, can create stuff. We know if you switch off for a second, they will punish you. We know they're blessed with a world-class manager, world-class players, and they and you know they're all firing. They can damage us from wide areas centrally. They can do that. We've seen it many times. City play generally, definitely as an Arsenal fan, I've seen it. You know we lost three 0 after the restart, so there's no need to get into it. We just need to get over the line. For Chelsea and United, it's simply black bragging rights for all four clubs. It's just a case of bragging rights. Moving to the Premier League, though, West Ham and Watford will play each other in a six-pointer. Both are trying to fight relegation or, you know, secure safety in the Premier League. I think both will be, be all right because I've previously said I think it's Bournemouth, Villa and Norwich. But you never know. Obviously, Norwich and Burnley have each other. Norwich are purely playing for respect. Some of them players might not return to this level, so they need to enjoy the, the last few games they've got left. 
Spurs against Leicester. Spurs need to need to win to obviously do what they want to do. Finish ahead of Arsenal. Leicester obviously want to stay in the top four, and it's it's now make or break essentially. Leicester have United on the last day, so we're getting to the Buki end of the season. If we wasn't there already, um, team news. I think Madison, Chilwell, and Fuchs. I could be wrong, but all three are out for the rest of the season. So that if I am right or I'm wrong, if I am right, sorry. Obviously, that makes their task 10 times harder. You've got Bournemouth against Southampton, a seaside derby. So we'll see what happens. Moving away from that, though, people, and a brief word on La Liga. You've seen Real Madrid claim their 34th Premier League, 34 La Liga title. Um, obviously, Benzema's two goals against Villarreal confirmed that they'll be the champions. Personally, feel Benzema's been the best player in the La Liga this season. I mean, 21 goals, eight assists speak for himself. And, you know, at 32, he's not slowing down. And a lot of his goals have been important. Um, I feel I spare a thought for Messi because, you know, he saw his team lose against Osasuna. He's seen his team bottle it since the restart. Um, you know, he has to take some accountability as well, but he scored in the game. You know, he's been doing his assist thing this season. He's La Liga's top goal scorer with 23 goals. And the rest of the squad just aren't up to grabs. You've got the players that are decent, like Dembele, they're having injuries. I mean, Griezmann's a good player, but is he necessarily the best of fits? You know, they've been mismanaged all over. For for such a world-class establishment, it's, one, it's run by some serious underperformers and that's why they're in this situation people you know their manager said he expects to be in in the in, in the job for next season but he doesn't even but then again he, he's hypocritical because he doesn't even know if he's going to be in charge in the Champions League Messi's come out and got and held nothing back he said we are a weak team who can be beaten with enough intensity and enthusiasm we didn't expect to finish this way but it sums up the year for us we have lost a lot of points which we shouldn't have done we have been very inconsistent we need to be self-critical start with the players but also across the entire club we are Barcelona and we are obliged to win every game and that's facts his manager said we have to do self-criticism and if we don't do it it will cost us anything we want to do we have tried to improve during these months these months that we've been here there are things that have cost us and overshadowed the many times that we have done well it all comes down to success Today, the opponent shot three times and scored two goals. We had 15 shots and we were not right. So, And you do hear a lot of rumblings coming out of Barcelona. They're not convinced by him. They're not convinced by what he brings to the table. The manager, obviously, recruitment's poor. Obviously, there's discontent at board level with other individuals across the whole operations and of the club, but also members of the boardroom. And Barcelona, when you think of Barcelona, you're supposed to think of football heritage. You're not thinking of that right now. Of course, any team that's got Messi is going to be relevant, but... Are they necessarily the best team in Europe? And they have to double down on Champions League now to have a decent sort of season, people, without a doubt. Moving away from that one there, though, people, and, you know, the Europa League in Arsenal, it does benefit Arsenal. You know, from a sporting perspective, I've said this before, I get not wanting to be in Europa League. Focus on the game once a week. But for me, we should be trying to be a consistent team in, in the in the league anyways and should be targeting top four via the league Europa League presents an opportunity for our young players it presents an opportunity for a second chance with this ever growing competitive list of teams fighting for the Champions League so we need it for me crucially from a sporting perspective you're missing out obviously We've pre Josh Cronkies previously said we're, we we've got a Europa League squad and a Champions League budget. You know when it, the prospect of not being in Europa League puts you in more pennies. You know compared the amount of finances you get from getting into the final of the Europa League comp compared to going out of the group stages like Inter did in the Champions League is dwarfed. But we still need that thirty million. So really. It makes sense to be in the Europa League if we can get it, which is only going to come via winning the FA Cup or finishing in a certain space in the in 
in the Prem, which probably is impossible. And obviously, people will say it's irrelevant, but, you know, what happens off the field directly impacts your ability on the field. You get how you build on the field directs your ability off the field. We've been poor on the field, so we haven't got Champions League. So we're paying, paying the pinch it, with the lack of finances. And that might be able to stop us making the operations we want. How we've moved off the field with not learning from hindsight, not implying foresight, not learning from mistakes directly impacts us on the field because this is probably the worst collective Arsenal team I've seen in a few years in my little 25 years on this earth, people. And for Arteta, I'm shook because Arteta knows himself he said recruitment becomes massive if you want to catch that level it's no secret I don't want any team that has done it in a different way without I don't know sorry any team that has done it in a different way without big investment saying that Arsenal have conceded 18 goals in 18 Premier League games since he's taken charge 27 compared that to the 27 we conceded in the prior 18 games in the eight games we played at home in 2020 we're, um, we're unbeaten you know we lost three times in, in, in at the Emirates, sorry, in December. You know, under him, we've we've dropped 15 points from winning positions. All season, we've dropped 21. 50% of goals conceded at Arsenal have been shipped in the last 15 minutes under Arteta. Last 25, sorry. And this season, we've given up 188 shots on our target. And this tells me, fundamentally, we need some quality defenders and the spine of this team. Defenders is the priority for me, but the midfield, you have a better midfield, you defend better. If you have better technical people that can retain the ball and things like that, your team's going to be under less pressure. So the opponents are going to have less of the ball. In theory, they have less of the ball. They have less opportunities to hurt you. You have a better solid team. There's not going to be as much pressure on your defenders to get drawn out wide and drawn into wide areas and areas that is gonna is potentially going to harm them um, sort of thing. So... We need better. We, we need investment. Is that going to come? I'm not too sure, people. I don't know if it's going to come. To be honest, um, by the same token, though, points won from losing positions this season. To be nice to Arsenal, one benefit. We've got 18. I think only Wolves with 21 have done better. Behind us is Liverpool and Spurs. Um, you know, so we're doing we're doing we're doing all right, people. We're doing we're doing all right in in relation to that. Moving away from that, and apparently the PFA has said it's held talks with social media companies after Premier League players were sent racial abuse. As you lot have seen, you know former players Ian Wright's getting it all the time. Sterling, David McGoldrick, um, you know a twelve year old was arrested after the Zaha thing, and it's a bit bewildering how these people are being named and shamed, and their followings are increasing. Social media does need to do anything. I don't know how I'd feel about having to put my driver's license, my date of birth, potentially NI number and, you know, all these things on a social media thing because they could sell your data. But at the same time, how likely is it to, to... You can't see how people are stopping. We all know there's some bored people and cowardly people that go online, get a sick little kick of just atting people all day, wishing illness, you know, mocking dead people. I've seen the most on it. Where obviously, naturally, if... You're not in a position where people know who you are, then there will still be twats who do it, but very few people are going to do it because they know people might just turn up at my yard and mash me up. The PFA is very good for doing that, but social media companies need to do a bit more because they're ruining it. Because look at something like Twitter. The best thing about Twitter is it's so open. The worst thing about Twitter is the, the, the abuse is relentless. I'm not excusing Facebook, but at least Facebook was kind of closed off. You kind of had to be friends with people to, to abuse them. If you couldn't just jump on them. You look at Twitter, you look at Instagram, you know, it never stops. It never stops. And it's quite sad. Moving away from that, though, people, I'm sure you've all seen Spain's health minister. He has said he does not think fans will be able to return to football matches in the country when the next season starts in September. Obviously, it's of no relevance to the Prem, but it's all coordinated. 
and it's all different. If Spain are not going to let people back in September, I can't see Arsenal, I mean, England um, doing it anytime soon. In keeping up with the theme of England and transfer windows, though apparently the Premier League and English Football League summer transfer window will be open for 10 weeks between the 27th of July and the 5th of October, subject to fee for approval. In addition, the PL and EFL say there'll be a domestic-only window from the 5th to the 16th of October. During this window, clubs will be only allowed to trade with EFL clubs, either loans or permanent registrations, which could be benefit around the time if young players are part of the... Obviously, with five substitutions and bigger benches now, you know, you look at Anthony Gordon of of Everton, you know, Luke Thomas the other day for Leicester made his debut. You know, a couple people are getting their opportunities, but, you know, this allows loaned people to be loaned out. This allows you to, you know, if you've got any injuries, this allows probably teams to exploit the homegrown thing because imagine you just thought, all right, fuck it. Norwich are going down anyways. Let me just buy Ben Godfrey and, and Max Aaron. So I support that, to be fair with you. Um, be a bit weird seeing it open in October, but we'll have to see, man. And, you know, the, the game has to react to some way, in some sort of form. It's of no relevance, but um, England will play Wales in a friendly at, at, at Wembley on the 8th of October as well. Sadly, Arsenal have confirmed that Gabriel Martinelli will be out until the end of the year with a knee injury. Um, you know, he was injured on the 21st of June. Sad that he's you know, a season which is he's he's been an unknown and he's become a, a player we've been banging on to start every week. You know, in twenty six appearances he's got ten goals. He's had to repair um something in the cartilage of his knee. So it's always gonna it's always gonna be one of them things. Health is wealth. He's still look what nineteen. He's got his best years in front of him. It's best that he just focuses on returning to full fitness, people. So simple as that. Quick transfer news, people. There isn't much um in relation to transfer news. Um, as you lot know, Spurs want um, Hoiberg and they're prepared to offer Carl Walker-Peters for his signature, while apparently Everton are in talks with such. He's got a year left on his deal. He was stripped of his captaincy, although still plays. So we'll have to see what happens. When pressed, Carlo Ancelotti didn't deny it, but he didn't speak on it. He said, I don't want to talk about this because I think it's unfair to talk. Um, so we'll have to see what happens in there. Um, moving away from that. Away, away from that though people apparently Taglifico the Argentinian and Ajax left back is of interest in Man City Thiago is confident of completing a move to Liverpool after he's turned down a Bayern Munich contract Arsenal are keen to recruit France under 21 defender Manglen Saar um, on a free transfer but he's already been sounded out by clubs in Italy and Germany Manchester United have agreed a deal with Real Madrid's 17 year old left back Caraz who will sign a four-year deal. And from what I've seen, he's quite a decent prospect, to be fair with you. Um, apparently, Pochettino is being linked with a move to Inter Milan. Inter Milan want N'Golo Kante. While as you all seen, you know, Mavropanos has completed, not only signed a new deal at Arsenal, but gone on loan to Stuttgart for next season. William Saliba will not be allowed to play in the cup final for St Etienne after Arsenal and St Etienne have not reached an agreement. Jude Bellingham allegedly, you know, has completed a medical for what is to be his anticipated move to Borussia Dortmund, which would cap off a fantastic 12 months for the under for, for the England under-17, under-18 international. I mean, Jude, 17, he's a scary prospect. I do think he's going straight to the top. Positive news for Man United fans. Apparently, Paul Pogba is close to a five-year deal, which, you know, at 27 is probably his last big deal at United, you know, he'll be 32-odd, you know, and they've tied him down for the best years. And if United fix up their side, he'll be part of it, allegedly. That is being reported by The Sun. I'm not sure what to make of that. Apparently, Bayou Leverkusen have accepted that Kai Hervites has cho chosen to join Chelsea, but want to delay the transfer until the end of August. 
um, which we'll see how that one develops, people. There, see, there isn't much in relation to transfer news, really and truly. It's a slow day, but, you know, slow day or not, I've still got to do these podcasts. And it's been a pleasure speaking with you lot for these 40-odd minutes. So, on that note, I like to think it's been a nice podcast. You know, if you want more of me, just head over to YouTube, Deluded Guna. You know where my YouTube account is. You know I've got a bunch of content there. You know you know the thing already, people. Obviously, everything is in the descriptions in relation to the socials. Deluded Guna 04 on everything apart from Snap, which is DGuna04. Yeah, man, I'll see you lot again, obviously, when football's been played and we've done the FA Cup. And I hope next week in my next podcast, I'm here in rather jubilant moods because it would be in the final of the FA Cup but let's see what happens man like I said thank you very much for watching and rocking God bless I'm out